0: And um, special welcome also to those who will be watching or listening online, which is a cool thing to think about, that our, our message from God can be uh, seen and heard long after this uh, half hour together. Um, as we consider this topic of generosity, I-, I thought that this video was a good one to get you to think about what generous can look like. Because sometimes pictures... Can really give us a better understanding and feel for a topic. And with that in mind, um, I want you to get thinking a little bit more um, even more personally. And so I want you to consider this question. The question is: when you think of generous, who do you think about? I'm talking not God, I'm talking people. Or another way to ask this question is: who's the most generous person that you know? Now, I'm thinking that some of you might not really be thinking about this, so in order for you to really think about it, I'm gonna do something that I know you love, which is I wanna share, I want you to share your person that you're thinking of with someone sitting near you. So share your answer, preferably. also with someone that you didn't come to church with today. We're going to take 30 seconds. Share the name. They may not know who that person is, but share the name of a generous person with someone sitting around you. All right? 30 seconds. Go ahead. Go. Should be hearing conversation at this point. (laughs) Well, I uh, can't ask you to do something without me doing it as well. And so let me share you my, with you mine. One of the people that I really think of when I think of the word generous is my mom's mom, uh, my grandma astro. Uh, she always just exuded generosity for her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And in fact, one of the best days of the entire year happened about two weeks before Christmas every year, where this huge box—I've shared this before in a sermon—this huge box from Watertown, Wisconsin, ended up in El Paso, Texas, where we lived, and the amount of gifts in that box and boxes quadrupled, probably, all the other gifts that we received at Christmas, and just was, for a little kid, for me, an example of of generosity. Now, another question to think about, this one you don't have to share with anybody. In general, is generosity a positive trait or a negative Kind of an easy question, right? As an example, the, the person that you mentioned in our question, do you think admirably about them or negatively? Would you rather be labeled generous or stingy? <laughs> generous or greedy? Now, it's pretty clear that generosity is something that we look upon well, That we aspire to be. And, and the thing to think about is very interesting, that God also values generosity. That in this way, we and God are exactly the same. We value generosity, and so does God. We, we want to be generous, and God wants us to be generous, generous as well. Now, there, there's a lot of different ways a person can be generous. Uh, you can be generous with your time. You can be generous with using the, the talents that God has given to you. You can be generous with forgiveness. Some of you are really good at forgiving. You're generous with that, with forgiveness. Um, you can be generous with kindness. There's a whole bunch of different ways to be generous. But just to be clear, for this series, we're just going to focus in on one way that generosity shows itself, and that's in giving of the things that God has first given us, our money and our, our finances. And one of the re- there's two reasons that I'm thinking of why a series like this is so important. I just want to mention them. The first one is this. This is an important series because generosity does not come naturally. And so we need to think about it. We need to work on it. We need to be taught about it. I do too. Uh, if if you don't agree with this statement that generosity doesn't come naturally, here's what I'd say. You're a person that hasn't been around little kids for a long time. Because little kids in general are a great indication of what happens by nature. And it's a very rare kid on a very rare day where you find them to be really generous. In general, little kids, they don't want to share their toys. That's my doll. Or they don't want to share their video games. Sometimes teenagers have a difficulty with this too. This is my video game. Or they don't want to share their pizza. Or they don't want to share their ice cream. There's even this certain age with like one years old where kids don't want to share their parents. Like no other kid better sit on my mom's lap or I'm going to throw a fuss, right? Think about it. Have you ever had to teach your kids to say the word mine? How do they learn the word when we haven't taught it to them? In part, it's because generosity doesn't come naturally. And, and the truth is that this is, this is reality with adults too. That by nature and, and Us as adults, we know this isn't good, so we we fight against it. But by nature, we are more close-handed than we are open-handed. By nature, it's a whole lot harder to give of what we have than it is to receive good things. Why is that? Why does it seem like we're hardwired that way? I know. I know. It's something called the sinful nature. There's this sin nature that all of us have because our parents passed it down to us and we, unfortunately, also passed it down to our kids so that the sin nature shows itself in the fact that we tend to think about ourselves first and others after that. The sin nature directs us to make life, first and foremost, all about us and our immediate family And we have to fight against that. And with God's help, we do. But still, naturally, generosity doesn't come. Second thing why this is an important series because people have a misconception of what generosity is. Generosity is more than the amount that a person gives, it's more than the amount of zeros that are found on a check. As an example, uh, I would say one of the people you hear about in the news that gives a lot of money to charities is, is Bill Gates, among others. And the question is, is Bill Gates generous? Well, he probably is, probably, but just because he gives lots of money does not necessarily mean that he's generous. So, some of you thought that you could take these three weeks off because you don't have a lot of money, so it's not... it's. It's hard for you to be generous, and so I'm just going to tell you that that's not the case at all. No one, if you have anything, this series is for you. Because whether you make six figures or whether you're a kid that gets $5 a month in allowance, if you have something, financially, we can and should be generous and so, the, the goal for this series, the, one of the goals that I have for this series, is our first fill in for the day. That my prayer is after these three weeks are over and, and during it, that we would all begin to experience more the joy and the impact of generosity. You see, being generous is a more joyful way to live. Being generous. is a more impactful way to live. And God wants you to experience the joy and impact of generosity, and so do I. And I want more of that in my life, the joy and impact of generosity. So how do we get it, and where does it come from? Well, that's really what we're going to look at today. Where does a generous spirit grow from? Where does a generous person grow? From. And to do that, we're going to be looking at some words that uh, a guy named Paul wrote to a congregation in Corinth. And they need a little bit of background before we get there. So, Paul was a pastor and a church planner. And if you look at the map here, he went through all around the Mediterranean Sea starting different churches. And one of the places that he started a church was in the city called Corinth in, in Greece. And As he started a church, he would then move on and start other churches. Well, Paul wrote to his congregation in Corinth about a great need that the Christians in Jerusalem, way down in the right-hand corner there, the Christians in Jerusalem had because they were going through a great deal of poverty. They did not have a lot, materially speaking. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why this was, but it's pretty easy to surmise that it had something to do with their faith. The area that they lived in was not very friendly to Christians. And, and as an example of that, what did they do to Jesus, right? They, they had him crucified because they didn't want to hear about Jesus as Savior. And so the people who followed Jesus and were left behind after Jesus rose and ascended into heaven, they dealt with a great deal of persecution. And one of the ways that they were persecuted was that the people around them made it hard for them to earn an income made it hard for them to get a job. And so likely, the reason that they were poor had something to do with their faith. Well, Paul tells the Christians in Corinth that the Christians in Jerusalem are really, really poor and need help. And so the Christians in Corinth think about that and they decide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to collect an offering from the things that we have so that we can send it to the Christians in Jerusalem and be a blessing to them. We're going to be generous to the people in Jerusalem. And they were on fire for that. In fact, listen to how Paul describes the uh, Corinthian Christians when they first learned about the poverty in Jerusalem. He said, chapter 8, verse 10, Last year, you, Corinthian Christians, were the first, the first church, the first group of Christians to not only give to the Jerusalem Christians, but also to have the desire to do so. Remember when we first talked about the need in Jerusalem? Remember how on fire you were? Well, we read that after a while, that fire kind of went out, and they kind of started to get on with life. And the offering that they had so much been excited to give started to get put into the background. And I'm sure that as time went on, the the money that they could have given to this offering, they began to use on themselves. We do that, right? We We may not always need stuff, but those wants become almost indelibly ingrained in our brains that it's a need when it may just be a want. This is what was happening for the Corinthian Christians. And so Paul writes them a letter, and he encourages them not just about giving, he encourages them about generosity. Because generosity, a generous spirit, is at the heart and is the, the theater to giving. Let's go to um, chapter 8, verse 1. Brothers, Paul's writing to the Corinthian Christians, We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So throughout this entire section we're going to look at, Paul uses some other Christians in the area of Macedonia as an example of what generosity and giving looks like. If you look at this map here, you'll see that at the top, you see Macedonia there. There is three churches there, Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi, those towns. The Christians there we're giving to this Jerusalem need as well. And Paul raises them up as an example for Corinth. Let's keep going, verse 2. Out of the most severe trial for those Macedonian churches, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So the Macedonian churches of Berea, Philippi, and Thessalonica, they were going through a poverty or a financial hardship that either was worse or at least matched what the people in Jerusalem were going through. They had, Paul says, extreme poverty. Now, I don't know anybody who's ever gone through extreme poverty. I know of people that have lost a job, I know of people that haven't been able to, to buy certain things. But like a person who hasn't been able to eat for days, I, I've never met someone like that. I know they're out in our world, but to, to get a, a realization of even those of us that have lefts, I've never met anyone who would be categorized as extremely poor or to have extreme poverty. This was, a, this was a situation that none of us have ever faced, that these Macedonian Christians were going through. And you would think that someone who was extremely poor, like couldn't even eat on some days, that that would have, over, would have shown itself in overflowing sadness or overflowing bitterness or overflowing anger towards God or others. And yet, interestingly, they had overflowing joy. Well, Where does that come from? Let's keep going. Verse 3. For I testify that these Macedonian Christians gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Even beyond their ability. And so, if there were financial planners back in that day, and there weren't, but if there were, the financial planner would have looked at the Macedonian Christian portfolio and they would have seen how much they wanted to give, and the financial planner would have said, I'm not sure about that. Have you thought about retirement at all? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Do you know that the average percentage that people give to charities is this, and you guys are are wanting to give a whole lot more than that? Because they gave even beyond their ability. Now, beyond your ability does not mean that you give irresponsibly. What I mean by that is, In order to best be a steward of what God has given, we can't give it all away. We have to take care of our families. We have to to plan a little bit for the future. But when it comes to giving, it should be sacrificial. Giving, in a way, should both feel good and hurt at the same time. Does that make sense? It should be sacrificial. And we all need to give according to our ability, and maybe even beyond our ability. So for some people, uh, generosity might be seen in a uh, $15,000 gift given to the, the building of the new church. But for other people, especially in this area, $15,000 is not generous because of how much God has given to them. We all need to understand first what God has given to us, and then we need to consider what is a, a way to show our love for the Lord in return? And to consider first what God has given to us, and then what, would, what percentage of that or how much of that would be considered generous, would be considered giving according to our ability? Well, these Macedonian churches, they were pushing the limits. They were going past the limit in some ways, at least of what society thought would be giving. Verse 4. Entirely on their own, they gave. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service, this service being giving to an offering to the saints in Jerusalem. This, to me, was the most, I guess, impactful verse this week as I considered what generosity looks like. Think about what these Macedonian Christians were doing. As this offering was being collected, as they heard about this offering to give to the Jerusalem Christians who are in need, what this verse is saying is, it's as if the Macedonian Christians were like, hey, I hear you're taking an offering. Please don't forget about us. Don't you dare pass us by with the offering plate. We want to get in on this. We want to be a part of this. And they pleaded with Paul, please let us have the privilege of being generous and helping out these Christians in Jerusalem. You know what they were doing? <laughs> they were nagging, but in a way that you have never experienced before. <laughs> because nagging usually is, you know, I'll, I'll pick on kids, I was that way too. Nagging is usually, Dad, you promised, or Dad, I want, or Mom, I thought we were going to. And then what usually happens is that kids keep saying it over and over and over again until we either get, you know, upset or give in, one or the other, right? That's, that's, that's nagging. This is the opposite type of nagging that many of us have never experienced or done. It's a type of nagging like, Dad, I see that the lawn is a little bit long. Can I please cut it? Please, Dad, please. Or, Mom, I notice that the kitchen is kind of messy. Will you please let me do the dishes? I just wish I could do the dishes. Mom, did you hear me? I want to do, Mom, 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 I'd like to do the dishes. This is the kind of pleading that the Macedonian Christians were having in a good way because they wanted the privilege of giving, privilege of making an impact, the privilege of giving of what God has given to them. (laughs) What does generosity look like? Our next fill-in. Based on what Paul describes of the Macedonians, a generous person has the desire. It's not pulling teeth. It's not twisting the arm. It's not, you know, a a negative feeling. There's a desire to give and to give sacrificially. That it, that it hurts a little bit. While even at the same time, it feels so good to give back to the Lord who's given us all things. Verse 5. Paul goes on to explain a little bit more. They, the Macedonian Christians, did not do as we expected. This was not what we expected. And when I read through this, I can see why. Because their generosity was amazing. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. We're getting on to something here. That a generous person doesn't first give what they have. A generous person first recognizes that all that they have comes from the Lord. And they first and foremost give their life to serve him. And then they gave themselves to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, that's one of Paul's ministry partners, since he had earlier made a beginning, he had been in Corinth already and, and started to encourage them to take this offering. We urge Titus to bring also to completion this offering, this act of grace on your part. And in essence, I'm asking Titus to go and to collect this offering as he brings the letter. Verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Do you see the connection that Paul makes here for the Macedonian Christians and also for you and I? That giving and faith are connected. Some have said that the last part of a person to be converted to faith is their pocketbook, right? Maybe you've heard that before. That is that we daily struggle with that that holding on to what we have versus the giving back to those in need or the giving back to the Lord. But a strong faith A strong relationship with God is seen in open handed generosity. And not only did Paul want the Corinthians to excel in faith, speech, knowledge, and earnestness, but also in connection to their faith to excel in the grace of giving. As I was reading through this section this week and studying it, I have to say it was quite convicting. Because the way that the Macedonian Christians felt and the way that they gave is not how I am naturally. I fight against selfishness often. So where does this come from, this generosity? How can we be more generous Why were the Macedonian churches so generous? Was it because Paul is the master manipulator and he gave this great plea for the Jerusalem churches? He did the best capital campaign that there ever was and the people responded, no. Was it because the Macedonian churches um, that had a special place in their heart for people who were poor? They might have, but that's not the reason. The reason is found throughout the entire section that we read, over and over and over again. Here's three places. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. Generosity, a generous heart, grows from understanding of grace. undeserved love of so much that we have received. You know that breath you just took? By the grace of God. The car that you drove to get here today? By God's grace. The job that you have? By God's grace. The family that you're sitting next to? by God's grace. This day, grace. A gift. This hour, this moment. All by the grace of God. And then Paul hones in even more specifically on what the heart of God's grace for us looks like. Verse 9, our last verse. For you Corinthians, those that... Paul is encouraging with generosity. You know the grace of Jesus. And here it is in a nutshell. That though he was rich, you know what that means? It means that before he came to this earth, (laughs) he was living in the glories of heaven as God. He is the creator of everything and is in charge of everything. He is rich. Yet, but, for your sake, Corinthian Christians, Christ became poor. How did he become poor? Well, he became human. He learned what it felt like to hurt. And it's interesting. He became human, and yet he didn't live here in upper class or even middle class. But God of all came to this earth and lived in conditions much 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 worse than anything we've lived in a poor family in a poor town <laughs> so that you through his poverty might become rich that we might have everything through the poverty of our lord and savior jesus now the greatest way that he became poor i want to tell you this this past wednesday was veterans day And on Veterans Day, it's good to just think about the sacrifices that those who serve in the military give for us. And and some have paid the ultimate price by giving of their life. And and one of the things I've often thought about, I think it got spurred on mostly years ago in watching uh, Saving Private Ryan, Ryan, was how some of these soldiers must feel when they're sent out on a mission that they're pretty sure they're not going to survive. I mean, if you think about D-Day and you think about you know, hundreds of young men who are sent out on ships and then in landing crafts, and all along they're pretty sure that they're not going to be living longer than that boat ride. And then they get into the landing craft and they recognize, I've probably got about 20 minutes to live. And then they get closer to the beach and, and bullets are whizzing over the top of the enclosed landing craft and they're thinking, I would be at least. I'm not going to be here much longer. And then their, you know, their, their fellow soldier is by the door and lowers the door. And as he's doing that, they've got to be thinking, I'm going to die. And they just think about that and I think about all that they went through, and I think about appreciation for the sacrifice of many, many soldiers. Now, that's a sacrifice. But the sacrifice of Christ blows that away. I mean, all along, from the very moment Jesus decided to come to this earth, to though rich become poor, he knew how it would end. Yes, in victory, but before the victory over death that he would have experienced death. And all along his life and his three-year ministry, Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He knew what he would need to endure. Can you imagine how that would have felt? I can't. And yet Jesus continues. And it wasn't bullets whizzing over his head, but it was nails through his hands and feet. Jesus, who had everything, took on the poverty of this earth and took on the poverty of weakness. He allowed himself to die so that you and I might become rich, so that you and I might have everything. Where does extravagant generosity grow from there's only one place, our next fill in. Extravagant generosity grows from extravagant grace. The most generous being that there ever Has been is our God and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. There has never been another example of generosity that even compares to what Christ has done for us. And as you hear that, as you've been changed through that message, and as you're reminded of it right now, do you, do you notice how in your heart at least your hands are getting just a little bit more open as you consider the generosity of your God? Do you know what that is? It is where generosity comes from. Extravagant generosity grows, is rooted in extravagant grace that God has shown us both for this life And for eternity. Does anyone remember um, Sally Struthers at all? I never actually had a chance to watch anything, really, that she was in. I'm sure I could find something on YouTube. But uh, what I remember about Sally Struthers, first and foremost, was uh, commercials that she was in. Does anyone remember these commercials? It's kind of grainy, but uh, how she would, uh, um, you know, be a part of the the Christian Children's Fund, and she would encourage people to give. And these commercials, remember as a kid, were quite impactful. They caught my attention. Um, The the images of little kids who didn't have enough to eat, who were too weak to even walk. And it is an amazing cause to give to, to help poverty back in the late 80s and still today. But here's what I want to point out. The way that a gift was given through these commercials was to pull on your heartstrings a little bit, whether that be with guilt or awareness, and to give... A one time gift type of thing for 70 cents a day, remember? A person can pull on heartstrings, but a one time gift or a moment of giving is not necessarily generosity. Here's the difference when we go back not to a moving commercial, but when we go back to what Christ has done for us, when we go back to grace, there's a generosity there that, that it grows, that is much longer and much longer lasting than a moment in time. It becomes who we are in our finances. It becomes who we are in how we interact with people. It becomes who we are in giving of our time. That through Christ's generosity, he saved us. And through Christ's generosity, he grows generosity in us. And so here's what I want you to do this week. It seems simple, but if you and I really do this, it's going to take a little bit of work. What I want you to do is I want you this week, as we prepare for next week, to just really consider this question. Am I being generous in my living? Am I being generous? Am I a generous person? And if the answer is yes, I want you to ask the question, why? What's your motivation? If the answer is no, I want you to ask, ask the question, why? Now, can I be transparent with you? My answer to this question is yes and no. And I'm guessing many of you can relate. For me... I have found that in the areas of time and just care for people, that generosity comes easier. But in the area of finances, it becomes harder. Now, we as a family, as a couple, we still tithe, we still give 10%, but it's not as joyfully as I would like. It's not as easy as what I would hope. And I'm guessing that for a lot of you, the same thing is true. That there's areas of your life where generosity comes easy. There's areas over your life where it's it's not. But to consider this question will be a great way to get you ready for our next um, week's message. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in the Word, and we thank you for sending your Son. Your generosity in sending him, his generosity in dying for us. We admire and we are truly thankful for what that means for us, both for this life and mostly for eternity. Dear Lord, we ask that you'd forgive us for the times that we have not been generous, to to wellen up an awareness of what you have done, and that we might respond with generosity in, in all areas of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, our ushers will be gathering our thank offerings as we have a chance to give back to the God who has given us all things. At the same time,